So we're going to continue on our series, Jesus W. Uh, today is on Jesus Wearied. Jesus Wearied. You know, after months of preparations and meeting and planning, executing, and then debriefing the conference, I, I want you all to know uh, we were already tired at the conference. At the start of the conference, we've already gone, like, you know, we've done so much. We were already exhausted because we wanted to make sure that everything that we have planned out is executed properly so that everyone that come will get the best out of every session. And I want to say this, and I want all of us, whether you're Christian or you're not, to actually realize that it is okay when you are tired, that it is okay when you are exhausted. You know, we, I, I don't want us to come to a place uh, in our walk with God that we, we sometimes feel like, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sick. I'm not having a flu. Uh, I'm fine. I'm well. Uh, I'm not tired. And so we, we feel like if we just keep proclaiming that, uh, we get better. We keep proclaiming that, then we are not tired. But the truth of the matter is the Bible tells us that Jesus himself was tired. I want you to go with me to the scripture this morning, uh, John chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 6. John chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 6. Are you guys? Uh, okay, check it out on the screen. It says here, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat fast by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Let us pray. Father God, we want to look to you right now in our time of worship, in our time of uh, giving praises to you and setting today as Sabbath to listen right now to the Word of God. Father God, I pray, whether we are tired, whether we're not tired, or whatever stage that we are going through in our lives right now, I pray, oh God, that this Word will come alive on the inside of us. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone say, Amen. This Jesus W series is actually focused on the humanity of Christ. It's focusing on the earthly nature of Jesus, focusing at probably 90% of Jesus' time here on earth where it is not exciting day-to-day uh, -day living. Jesus was walking around. Jesus was doing things. Uh, it's not always that Jesus walked on water. Are you with me? It was not always that Jesus performed miracles. Can you imagine, right, if every day Jesus performed miracles when he was alive in the three and a half years of ministry, keep transforming the five loaves of bread and the two fish, that feeds 5,000, all the baker will close shop. Are you with me now? The fishermen would not have to catch fish anymore. Jesus could have just proclaimed, fish, go into the net of fish, walk to the shore. So that is not how Jesus wanted his life on earth to be. He, he didn't want our lives to, because he wanted it to, for us to be modeled after, afterwards. So Jesus didn't want it to think that everything is miraculous 
everything is special, everything is supernatural. Are you with me? So when we realize how Jesus lived, when we learn how he go about with his daily lives, it will actually teach us how then we shall live. Because you don't live in the church. Hello? Are you with me? You don't live for Sundays. You don't live on Sundays. You don't live in this compound. Our actual living happens outside the four walls of this building. So if we do not know the human nature, the way Jesus carried himself, we will be awkward when we were out there. Spirituality and the supernatural work of God on the inside of us should make us most natural as a human being. Should make us like Jesus where people are attracted to him. Jesus want to hang, I mean, people want to hang out with Jesus. People want to hear what he has to say. And I want you to know, when you and I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, and we are living out the life that God has designed for us, people should like us. Amen? People should want to hang out with us. But if you're a Christian, you have God on the inside of you, you have the best story ever told to humanity. You have the love of Christ, but nobody wants to hang out with you. Something is not quite right. I want you to know, just because we are a Christian, to tell the world that we are spiritual, it doesn't mean you have to end every sentence with a Christian word. It doesn't mean that you have to go out there and every day, whatever you're saying, whatever you're talking about, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. God don't live like that. Why? Because if we continue to live like that, because Jesus did not live like that, we will actually shun people from coming to the knowledge of Jesus. Yeah. I, uh, I, I actually find it very tough because when I was growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Uh, when, when I became a Christian, uh, I, I, I have to maneuver and navigate many things in my life. I grew up in a non-Christian family. My wife have a best expose about my family just now. We all love to cook. So as a family that loves to cook because we're all chefs uh, at home, we have this awkward 2 to 6 hour, uh, p.m. every day that we don't know what to do. No friends are free at 2 to 6. Are you with me? So, so everyone's working, but we're not because we, work, we wake up in the morning, we open the restaurant, 2 o'clock is where we have cleaned up everything, 6 o'clock when we go back and prepare for dinner. So the 2 to 6, usually uh, growing up, since uh, we're in this mood today and tomorrow's public holiday, we, we go and borrow uh, VHS videotape. <laughs> All right, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Well done, Kevin Liu. We will borrow the, the latest TVB series. You have to go and Zhou Dai one, or you understand what's Zhou Dai or not? Like, like it's not yours one. You have to go there and they tell you three days because my auntie is a professional uh, VHS tape rental. There's always the first copy reserved for us. Then we will afternoon watch Miss Hong Kong la. You know those things la. Those things are the the Toy Heng la, the uh, uh, MTV la. Don't have, don't have MTV. All right. So, so because of that, uh, that's how we spend our afternoon. But afternoons, uh, if you have a family of chefs, you also know that's where we play mahjong. Uh, that's also where we play rami, all that in the family. So I became a Christian when I was about 10 years old. And uh, my aunties, my uncles, they all play mahjong. I could navigate this. I'm a Christian now. I have the power of God in me. I cannot play mahjong. Uh, I want to be a good witness at home. But my aunties, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, 
等卡等卡，顶住的。Oh, all this crazy Cantonese word. You know what's 等卡 No, 等卡 means auntie go toilet. You have to play for her for a while. So auntie go toilet, then I play lah. Like auntie ask, "Hey, why come lah? Play lah." So I play. You know, because of the power of God, I actually quite good. <laughs> so she came out from the toilet. Wow, 又食乌啊你啊，一直赢我，佢哋都唔识打。咁咁你打啦，咁你打啦，我睇电视，我睇电视。So I got to maneuver all this thing in my life. So I'm 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 actually quite proud of it. But anyway, all right. That's、uh, if you're watching online,、uh, please don't withhold your giving. <laughs> so so you know, I I play lah. I play Chinese New. I play and everything. I'm the big brother at home. You know, I I bring the the prawn, chicken, scallop, dice thing. Not scallop lah. Fish. And then with three dices, and I crank, crank, crank. Okay, all the kids, empty your angbao. Come on, let's. You know, so so I I have to navigate all that. So growing up,、uh, that's my life. Ah,、uh, so but Sunday I go to church, I worship Jesus. You know, like oh God, thank you for helping me win so much in my rami last night. Hallelujah, praise God. And because of that,、uh, I'm actually very comfortable with non-Christians. I'm very comfortable with people who do not know God, and they're very comfortable with me because. I don't judge. I I I have no Christian jargons. I don't have the Lord bless you. In fact, one of our global pastors,、uh, after knowing me for many years, one day when we were chatting on WhatsApp, I just decided, you know, I I finished the chat. I say, hey, take care, bro. God bless you. Then he paused very long. Then he replied, Pastor, after knowing you for three years, that's the first time you type God bless you. And I I want us as a church. Do not think that just because you have a Christian word at the end of every sentence, that will make you a better Christian. Are you with me? If you're not able to connect with the world out there, even if you have the best message ever told, you are not going to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Supernaturality should make us supernatural. Are you with me? It should make us most comfortable in the world that God has placed us in. So I used to think I was weird, and、uh, but I don't know. I used to think that I'm not spiritual. People are still struggling. The other night we were just chatting.、Uh, some people knew that they go to church, and、uh, Kevin Lu was the pastor from Tao. Huh? Kevin Lu pastor? You sure not? Last time in school, ah,、uh, gangster, that guy caused trouble all the time. Change already, Lou. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. Amen. Still gangster, one lah. Still gangster. Ah,、uh, I don't know whether it was a compliment or uh, uh, a criticism. Hey, Pastor, your first child really look like Esther, no? So cute, nice looking. Zenzena look like gangster. Where do people tell their pastor their kid look like gangster? When I ask you, you may look like me, is it? Ah, Father God, forgive this generation. Amen. Anyway, so throughout, are you guys okay? Throughout the Gospel of John,、uh, John reminds all of us, as you read through the Scripture, that there is a thread that goes right through all the chapters. Of the gospel, because in John chapter one verse fourteen, the Bible tells us, "And the Word became flesh, and made His dwelling among us." John was trying to highlight 
the humanity of Christ. And so throughout the Gospel of John, you realize that in John chapter 11, verse 35, the John reminded the people that Jesus wept. Jesus could actually cry. And men cry. And it's okay. Okay? But you okay? Can cry one sometimes. All right. John 19, verse 28, Jesus was thirsty, the Bible says. So the heights of Christological confession are balanced by the realities of human limitation. They, John did not want the people to go off tangent to think that this Jesus, this Savior, this Messiah of the world is so far out and high up there that he's so divine, that he's so untouchable, that he's so unreachable. But it is balanced by human limitation. And John consciously put those words in so that you and I realize that there is a human frailty that came with what Jesus did when he voluntarily chose to take on the form of a human body from a place of the limitlessness of God to a place of powerlessness of God. That he could have been way limitless, but he chose to be powerless so that he can identify with us. And so when you read the story, I have uh, the distance between Judea to Galilee because Jesus was trying to get to from, oh, there's a map here today, Judea to Galilee. And so Jesus was trying to get there. So I uh, went and checked through my uh, Bible maps, Google, and also the most trustworthy uh, source material, Pastor Andrew Lau in our church. Uh, he's hiding somewhere. So we confirmed that the distance, well, thank you for that dotted line, uh, it's 112 kilometers, which is equivalent to a three days walk. I'm not going to ask you, none of you have walked 112 kilometers before in three days. But that was what Jesus had to do because there was an assignment. There was a thing that he wanted to achieve. So Jesus walked 112 kilometers. And I want you to know that throughout the 1212 kilometers, Jesus walked. Everybody say, Jesus walk. He didn't walk for a while and then say, hey guys, you know what? It's really hard to walk. Let me fly a little bit. And then Jesus flew a bit. And then, hey, you're very slow. I walk faster. And then Jesus teleporting. And then he reached another place. If Jesus had been living out life like that, it would be very difficult for the disciples. Hey, where's the Lord? Faito <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus did not. Jesus was with them as 100% human being. He was walking with them. And that is why in John chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 6, hey, not bad for a guy that played mahjong, huh? can preach. And in verse 6, Jesus was tired. He was wearied. Why? Because it was at the sixth hour. The, the, the Jewish time starts at 6 a.m. in the morning. That's the first hour. So sixth hour is 12 noon. And he is rightfully tired because it's hot sun in Israel and it is a desert. Jesus was tired. And I want us to know, if the Bible can tell us that our Lord is tired, you don't have to be more spiritual than Jesus to actually say that, I am not tired. What are you talking about? I have got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I am not tired. You're wrong. You are tired. You're just not admitting it. So this morning, I want to give you a very practical kind of a message 
Um, and I want to talk about how to deal with physical tiredness and how to deal with mental exhaustion. Are you guys okay? Are you feeling good today? I'm very happy. I'm very happy because tomorrow's public holiday. I'm very happy because Jesus is in me. Physical tiredness can be caused by overexertion of energy over a prolonged, prolonged physical activity. Uh, if you have been exercising and you feel tired, that's normal. You're stuck in the traffic for very long. You're stuck in something for very long. You're feeling physically tired. It is normal. But the physical tiredness in, this, uh, in these two things are quite different. Exercising, after exercising, you feel tired is actually replenishing your energy. Are you all with me? Sleeping does not replenish that energy. Uh, exercise does. But being stuck in the traffic or stuck in something for very long, um, it drains us out. So this can be the causes of physical tiredness in our lives. Physical tiredness can also be caused by the lack of sleep. And um, I want to address the issue of the lack of sleep today. You know, our biological clock, known as the circadian cycle or circadian rhythm, is controlled by the release of the hormone uh, melatonin. All right? It's controlled by the release of the hormone uh, melatonin. So what happens is, every day, uh, for most people, uh, not everybody, for most people, uh, this hormone melatonin will be released at around 9 p.m. So it will, the, the hormones will remain high in your body for the next 12 hours so, so that it conditions your body to rest. It conditions your body to sleep. So for the next 12 hours from 9 p.m. and as the break of dawn, it will slowly be reduced. Our melatonin level, melatonin level and the circadian cycle or circadian rhythm is also pretty much determined uh, or dictated by the amount of light that enters our brain through our eyes. So, if you are supposed to be 9 p.m., uh, it's supposed to be the, the optimum time for the release of the hormone melatonin, but there's too much light entering you, uh, it will affect the release of that hormone and it will cause you to stay awake. Uh, what is that light? That light is our smartphone, and that's the guilty party. Our smartphone emits shortwave blue lights, all right? Our smartphones emit shortwave blue lights. And these shortwave blue lights, it, to the brain, it is similar to sunlight. It is similar to daylight. And so while you're supposed to sleep and you keep uh, looking at your gadgets, whether it's your smartphone or your tablets or whatever it may be, your brain is now confused because the melatonin level is being released, you're supposed to be resting, and your circadian uh, rhythm is telling you it's time to sleep. But because of the amount of sunlight, the hormone is reduced, so you're becoming more and more alert. There's a reason why our tablets is designed in such a way to keep you alert, to keep you keep using your phone. And, and that's why when you go to another country with a different time zone, you struggle with jet lag because your melatonin level... Uh, supposed to be released, but it's daylight, and your circadian cycle, it's confused. Like, eh, how come there's so much light on the outside? You and I, we are designed to sleep at night. It's a very powerful truth that uh, young people need to hear. You and I are designed to sleep at night, and everybody say, amen. That's the time that you're supposed to rest. <clears throat> so, 
you cannot sleep in daytime. Just because tomorrow is public holiday, you want to hang out with your friends and play computer games until 3, 4 a.m. in the morning. In daytime, melatonin level is not released. So you are forcing yourself to sleep. You will never get quality sleep. So physical tiredness can be caused by all this. So one of the first measures that you and I can do is to stop using your gadgets at least one hour before bedtime. Turn to neighbor, this sermon is for you. <clears throat> an hour. An hour before bedtime, no gadgets. I know a lot of wives are looking at their husbands. Second thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about mental exhaustion. Um, mental exhaustion is quite a different beast altogether. Mental exhaustion can be caused by prolonged working hours that you feel obliged or you are demanded, you are expected to work way longer than your body can take. Mental exhaustions can be caused by unrealistic expectations. So their expectation over our lives, some of them are just unrealistic. For example, academic results. So, so you feel like you're being driven. You feel like you must do well. How about unrealistic expectation on family life and finances? You are, we, are, we are in a world where we keep looking around us. So-and-so is doing better. He is doing better. She is doing better. My classmates are in the same class with me. They're doing way better. So you, you, you are stressed out. You are being influenced that you've got to do the same as well. How about stressful and toxic relationships where there are just relationships that are just not working out and, and you're being bullied and you're being forced or you're being tortured emotionally by the other party, overthinking. And this is a modern day problem, overthinking. You know, in my time, there's no overthinking because we don't have to think a lot. Uh, we really, like, like today, if you ask a child what kind of sports they like, men, They've got so many options. They can do swimming, they can do football, they can do badminton, they can do all these things. When I was growing up, there was only one ball in the neighborhood. In the flat that I was living in, there was only just one football. And uh, whoever has the football is the team captain. You understand or not? This is the football that my dad bought for me. So you, you don't have your neighbor in the neighborhood say, hey, I'm not the football type. Then you don't hang out. So we just have one ball, go to the field next door, 20 people will be running around chasing after that ball. But football is an easier illustration. But what the real problem is, you've got so many options made available. You know so many things. And because of that, it becomes very difficult for you to make choices, for you to make decisions. And so overthinking that leads to not able to make decisions is causing even more trouble in our modern day society so you're now mentally exhausted. Why? Because you're thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking, but you're not able to make a decision. Are you guys still with me this morning? And then there is that, I talk about this in a conference, there's that unclear demarcation of spaces of our lives. There is this unclear line and boundaries in our lives, which is private and which is public, which is private sphere and which is public sphere. So, so you, you, you struggle. You're supposed to have time for yourself. Yeah. You're supposed to have time alone. But you're supposed to read a book, enjoy yourself, watch a movie, whatever it may be. Go to swim, whatever. But you are so stuck 
Because in your private moments, you turn on your phone or you turn on your gadgets, you see friends hanging out somewhere else and you're wondering, why are my friends having fun? I'm stuck here. Why, why what's all this? So there's an intrusion of public sphere into private spaces. So now you keep thinking, I'm here, my friends are there, I don't know what to do. Uh, there's no more clear demarcation of our lives. And I want to say this, all right, post-conference, we talk about the space beneath, we talk about the space between, we also talk about the space beyond. The space beneath is your personal space, the space between is your space with one another, and the space beyond is what you do. Are you guys with me? I want you to know, you don't progress as if stage, uh, space beneath is stage one, and then stage two, and then stage three. I promote to the next stage. Oh, so there's this season, it's all about me. Oh, it's God about God healing me. Oh, it's God all about God touching me, God giving me space, God helping me out. Oh, now I got, I'm charged. My battery is charged. Now I can go to the space between. I can look after people. I can care for people. And now I've done that. I can go to the space beyond. I can pursue my dream. I can pursue my career. I can craft my future. I want you to know, you have a smartphone, but you are not a smartphone. You don't get charged up by God's presence on a Sunday so that you can live life on a Monday. You don't get yourself charged up in one stage so that you can do things on another stage and move on to the next stage. That's not how we move. All the three spheres in our lives must exist together all at the same time. You've got to be a smartphone that is forever plugged to the source. And that source is God. That source is the life of God that comes from Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And you need to live your life like that. Otherwise, a lot of people say they burn out. Because they felt that I have a moment of solitude, I have a moment of personal space, now I'm giving, now I'm extending myself, now I'm being a blessing to a lot of other people around me. And then after a while, oh, oh, they feel tired, they feel exhausted, you know, they feel lethargic, like, oh, why am I giving all the time? But that's not how you're supposed to live. You're supposed to be, while you're giving, you are still receiving from God at the same time. While you are having your space between with other people, you are still having moments where you can be with God. Friends, I want to share with you this morning that you could really be intentionally craft your everyday better. That you don't live your life, that you don't want to be a car, that you're always driving in until there's no more petrol, and then you wonder why your car's stuck in the middle of the road. Are you with me? You've got to be plugged right on to the source at all times. And everyone say, are you with me? And then we're not able to fully express ourselves in times of conflict. We cannot say what we really want to say. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we don't have the words. Or a prolonged extended wait for results. You know, SPM, waiting for results for three months is hard enough. But there are some people that are waiting for a medical report. For months, they don't know. For months, they don't know what is the outcome of that test. It's going to be mentally exhausting for you. You know, I'm a pastor. I preach all the time. On average, I probably pre preach four to five times every week, if not more. I don't mind speaking, but I mind waiting. The wait is always tougher 
than the actual doing of the thing. Prolonged waiting is causing a lot of people a lot of trouble. Doing but not getting anywhere is another reason why a lot of people are exhausted. You don't want to be keep doing something, yet you're not getting anywhere. And you don't want to be a part of a team that just keep playing but never win. We need to be a winning team. And everybody say, Amen. We've got to be a team that are stuck together, that we will, whatever that we pursue and desire to do, we will go all out to achieve that. Otherwise, you will be mentally exhausted. This mental exhaustion over a prolonged period may lead to anxiety, hypertension, and even depression. I don't have a one-stop answer for everybody today. I don't have a quick fix, but I can recommend something. Some of these I experienced. Some of these are things that I've read about. Are you guys ready? I don't want you to tell you you have a problem, but you don't know what to deal with it, all right? Number one, the first step to overcoming mental exhaustion is solitude. Solitude. The fear, I said earlier, of missing out is killing this space. We are always fearful that something more fun is happening somewhere else to the point that we are missing out on whatever that we are doing even right now. Friends, I want you to know the greatest gift you can give somebody is your presence at any one point of time. Be there. If you are in church today, you have already decided to wake up put on your clothes and come to church. Be fully here. Don't come to church and keep thinking about what's happening somewhere else. Don't, don't, you know, don't come to church and want to see what's happening online, what's happening somewhere else. Because you're already here, if you're not fully present, then you're not going to reap the reward of what your presence will bring into your life. Learn to enjoy being alone because being alone is not the same as being lonely. You can be in a group and still be lonely. And in order to enjoy being alone, you've got to enjoy who you are. Is that okay? You've got to enjoy this life that God has given to you. You've got to enjoy the things that God has put into your life. You've got to enjoy the things that God has allowed you to do. Solitude is to give ourselves time to recover. A time to no need to talk to people, there's no need for me to take care of others. It's a time for me to be alone with Jesus. And that time alone with Jesus, whether you call it quiet time or daily devotion or whatever it may be, it is not a progress report to God. Father God, uh, I just want you to know I've had a great week. Uh, this week, I read my Bible five times. I, I prayed. I went to church. Uh, I did. No, 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 no. A time alone with God is not a progress report. God does not demand that out of you. But a solitude is a moment where you allow God to ask you, how are you actually doing? Are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? How are you living out the quality of your life? You look at the Bible, Jesus constantly go away to have time alone, to speak to God the Father, to hear God the Father. And I want you to know that if every time you pray, you ask God, God, what do you want me to do? You are not in solitude yet. God, what are you expecting out of me? You are not in solitude yet. Solitude is just enjoying your relationship with God the Father. And everybody say, 
Amen. The idea of solitude is to develop intimacy with God. Reading the Bible is not going to do anything to you if you do not build intimacy with God. Praying over a prolonged period will not do anything to you if it does not bring you closer to Jesus. Before the conference, we, we had crew night on Thursday night. We came to worship God and pray together. And Kaysen says, don't put faith in faith. Put your faith in Jesus. And then Pastor Philip on Saturday, he said, prayer is not the answer for everything. Man, I can tell you at that time, a lot of all the Christians were going out of our head like, did pastor invite the right guy? Is he a heretic now? Because to some people, prayer is the method. Oh, if I pray, God, you have no choice but do something for me. No, prayer, don't put, prayer is not the answer for everything, but God is the answer for everything. It is your relationship with Jesus, the intimacy that you've built with Christ that will truly strengthen your life from the inside. The second thing, if you want to overcome mental exhaustion, is your tribe. It's your tribe. It is interesting that healing can be both found in solitude and in community. In solitude, we learn that we need Jesus. In tribe, we learn that we need one another. God did not just give us Jesus. God gave us friends. God gave us the people that are sitting beside you, people that are around you today. And so God puts a still small voice on the inside of you and you know. When a relationship, when a community, when a tribe is doing well, we speak future, we speak life. But when a community is not doing well, you have to learn to deal with those issues. It's not nice, but you have to because that's how you mature in your walk with God. Number three, very quickly, number three, celebrate. Turn to your neighbor and say, celebrate your life. Celebrate, we have a little bit celebration, no tone can or not, like celebrate. I'm not going to stop, okay? I'm going to keep trying. Turn to the other side of your neighbor and say, Celebrate. There's no party that is silent, okay, everybody? So one more time, one last time, yell from your lungs, celebrate! Celebrate, celebrate guys, celebrate your life. And everybody say, Amen. everybody say, Amen. celebrate your life. Give yourself the permission to celebrate. Celebrate all the things that God has given to you. Celebrate the lives that God has given to you. Celebrate your family. Celebrate your children. Celebrate your wife. That's number one, actually. But celebrate. Tomorrow is a good reminder. All of us should take time off to celebrate each other, to celebrate life. Give yourself space for self-healing. I'm a big proponent of self-healing. I, you know, because I think... For us to all keep going, we got to learn to self-heal. How do you do that? You celebrate. How do you celebrate? Watch a movie. Amen. In Malaysia, we can afford to do that because watching movies is really cheap. All right? Watch a movie. Listen to a podcast if you like. Read a book. Go run. You know these days, uh, because I hurt my leg, my wife is the one going running. I'm going swimming. 
Those days when I was running, she was swimming. So after a while, she thought, hey, you don't like me, is it? I, I go run. I go swim. You say you don't like the pool. All right. So go enjoy a cup of coffee tomorrow. Don't drink the coffee like so fast. Sip it slowly. Go hiking. Nobody. What's that, pastor? Hiking, hiking. Like go to the woods and walk up the hill. All right. Go, go for a hair wash. Girls, when water touch your hair, Eureka moments happens. All right, go and celebrate, enjoy. I'm sure all the salons are booked afterwards. Go, go and have a hair wash. Let somebody your hair. All right, uh, go for facial if you like. People, how, you know, talking about that. How many of you like to watch those YouTube clip where people, uh, what is that? They come, come. The extract. There is a man. Extract pimples from people's face. The any fans here? One, two, three. Raise your hand. No judgment. Uh, extract blackheads. Man, some of their faces came from the moon, man. Like, where have you been all your life? But we like it. To me, that's self-healing. Uh, go for spa. Uh, if you're Pastor Keith, go for a foot massage. Uh, no one on planet Earth has gone to more, folk, more foot massage than Pastor Keith. We know exactly where is the best place if we follow him, all right? Hey, enjoy your time. Whatever makes you feel good. Yesterday, I was being corrected. Uh, some people told me, Pastor, you forgot a very important element in self-healing and celebration of life. It's called shopping. <sighs> Economy is not good. Save your money. No, no I'm just kidding. All right, go, go shopping. But finally, I want to draw to a close with this today. Are you guys okay? I know it's not a very normal sermon. It is so practical. But I want to end with knowledge. The best thing you can ever do to overcome mental exhaustion is knowledge. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27 to verse 30. All things, Jesus said, have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is a very powerful Christological confession here. It says, no one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Father except the Son. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Jesus does not know something about God. He does not even know everything about God. He actually knows God absolutely. And that's breathtaking. Jesus says, if you know me, you will know the Father. If you know me, you will know the Father who sent me. You see, when Jesus chose to become man, when he was fully God and fully man, 100% God and 100% man, Jesus firstly shares the Father's nature because he is 100% God. And because Jesus is 100% God and 100% sharing the Father's nature, when you see Jesus, 
you see God. When you see Jesus, you experience the Father. And because of that, Jesus can reveal the Father to us because He's God. But because Jesus is also 100% man, that means He is 100% us. And because of that, He can introduce us to God. Because He belongs to humanity as well. The beauty of the picture of Jesus, 100% God and 100% man, is not Him trying to tell you what you should do. It's not Him trying to tell you what you cannot do. But it is to show you who the Father is like and to tell the Father who we are like. The Bible tells us that He was tempted in every way yet without sin. We have a high priest who can empathize with us, who can identify with our feeling. So the revelation of who God is and the rescue of who we are belongs together. And so after this powerful claim that I am God, I am the Father, I reveal God fully, Jesus extends this most warm and welcoming invitation to all who feel need and who feel rescue of God. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Jesus did not say, well, since you're broken, since you're tortured, you're weary, you're burdened, go to God. No, Jesus did not command us to go to God. Jesus welcomed us and say, come to me. The weary and the heavily burdened are invited. You know, in the times of the New Testament, the people were struggling. The Greek struggled to find truth. And it was so difficult that everything after a while become relative. What's good to you is good to you, but it's not to me. So what's good to me is good to me. Truth became so difficult and they do not know how. To the point when you heard last week's talk by Pastor Erwin, to the unknown God, the search for truth was way too difficult for the Greeks. For the Jews, the search for truth, for God, is placed a burden on the people because of religion, because of the law, and they got to bind the law literally to their foreheads. They have to memorize the law, thousands of them, and they feel choked even though they don't dare to find out what more it is, they feel choked because of the law. So Jesus says in Matthew 11, He came to lift our burden. He offers rest. You know, rest, friends, is not the cessation of toil. Rest is not come to Jesus, come to the Lord, be a Christian, and you don't have to work hard anymore in your life. You don't have to do anything. God will prepare everything for you. No. Rest is not the cessation of toil, but peace. When Jesus gives us rest, He gives us peace. He gives us fulfillment and a sense of being put right with God. The thing that you don't have to do is that you don't have to earn the grace of God, that it is a free gift. And so there is a deeper rest that cannot be given to you, but that can be found. 
You have to find that. The rest of taking upon the yoke, which is the assignment that Jesus had for us, and enter into partnership with Him. The yoke is always seen as the law. So, Jesus is drawing this beautiful picture here. He invites the weary not to go to the law, but to come to Him. Not to go to a certain method, not to go to a certain practices, not to go to a certain religion, not to go through a certain set of rules that you have to perform before God can love you. Jesus say, come to me. Come to me. His yoke is gentle. But not in the sense that it is less demanding because in some ways, it is more demanding a life as a believer. But it is a yoke of love, not a yoke of duty. Today, we got to remind ourselves that we can come to church because it's not a duty, it's love. Esther can serve in a children's church. Yes, it's more demanding because life would have been so different if she doesn't have to serve in children's church. But it was not out of duty. It was out of love. It is the response of the liberated not the duty of the obligated. You have been liberated by God. You have been given a full life. People should see the joy that is on the inside of you. People should see happiness. And that is why I don't want to serve Jesus and always pull this long face and make people feel like it is such a terrible thing to serve God. No, I want you to know I enjoy the call that God has put in my life. I celebrate people. I celebrate life. I celebrate the leaders that God has put into my life. And I want them to know if the fullness of God is in you, that's how real life should be. Before I end, let me tell you something else. There's this thing, you know, I love cooking, right? I'm obsessed with a few things. I'm obsessed with knives. I really like a sharp knife. So I... I counted, I got like 10 knives in my house. Everywhere I travel to a new city, I'll go and find where is the, the people that forge steel and make knives. I will go there and buy a knife. I don't know why I need so many knives, but I think after a while, it's just decoration in my kitchen. Like, wow. You understand? So, that's one thing. And the other thing is, uh, I'm obsessed with trying to cook the best steak in the world. I'm not a chef, but I'm obsessed. So there's this dry ager fridge. You know what it is or not? Because I'll give you some uh, free information, okay? So you get a piece of steak, you treat it, you put in the fridge, it's called a dry ager and uh, you, you dry age your steak for 28 days or 40 days. Then you can put in all kind of stuff at the bottom. You can put in a block of Himalayan salt and uh, a truffle so that it's your steak after 40 days is dry, is aged, is maroon, dark colored, and uh, it's moist and it's infused with that salt and that truffle. So when you cook it, you can cook it rare and it's not bloodied because it's all so dried up. But this fridge, uh, it's very expensive. 
and uh, I don't want to buy it. So every day I go and bug Angeline Tan, owner of Mariah's sixth house. I say, hey, go and buy. And, and she, yesterday, when we were having our gathering at Bangsa, Pastor, I bought the fridge already. Lah. Huh? I say, wonderful. I can't wait to try it. I can't wait to put my first block of meat inside and I'll cook for you and I'm going to make it happen and the best steak in the world, it's happening. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I'm just trying to tell you I enjoy this life that God has given to me. It's not like my life has got no hardship. It's not like my life is problem-free. It's not like I have come to church every day as if nothing happens, nothing is wrong. I have things I have to deal with, but I celebrate this life that God has given to me. I celebrate my wife on the way home every day. I just keep telling her every day. I say, I'm so glad I get to go home with you every day. Not just on the day when we got married, I'll say things like that. I'm just glad when I see my kids at home, they enjoy the food that dad cooked. By the way, another thing, I'm trying to perfect this perfect fried rice. I'm on my way. Amen. I watch this Ting Tai Fong perfect fried rice, one day the world will hear of Kevin Lu's fried rice. Come on! Man, it's getting better! I'm learning the trick, how to make a non-stick, no, how to make a stick walk not sticking when you cook. Man, it's getting better. It's less scrapes on the walk right now. Hey, you have God on the inside of you. You have the life of Christ on the inside of you. You have the creator of the universe on the inside of you. Live like one. And everybody say, everybody say, you want to sing? Sing with all your heart. If you want to paint, you want to cook, you want to draw, you want to talk to somebody, you want to make a good cup of coffee, do it with all your heart. The God of the universe is living on the inside of you. It is only when you have built that space on the inside and you realize and you know that you have intimacy with God, you will enjoy this life. It will turn every morning into dancing and you will learn to dance with the Lord even in the rain. Church, Christianity, it's not a bog down, make you feel bad, do more for God kind of a faith. It is the response of the liberated. And everybody say, and everybody say, that you will dance in the rain. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to God. Let's all stand.